Welcome back to Love Letters and Mixtapes. I am so glad that you're here. If you enjoy this episode, please consider donating to support this podcast by clicking the link in my Instagram bio at Love Letters and Mixtapes. I want to take a moment to thank the sponsor of this podcast, Snake River Roasting Company is an organic coffee roaster located in the beautiful mountains of Jackson Hole, Wyoming. And not only do they roast award-winning coffees, but their mission and commitment to supporting the rights of women farmers around the world are just incredible. I start every single morning with a cup of their Fire on the Mountain organic coffee blend. If you're anything like me and you love to start your day with a perfect cup of coffee, Snake River Roasting Company has a free shipping code just for you to give their delicious coffee a taste. Head to their website, snakeriverroastingco.com, and use the code COFFEELOVE at checkout for free shipping on all domestic coffee orders. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So this week, I wanted to talk to you about stress. And I know that I could have scripted an entire podcast episode talking about sort of the science and the psychology of stress and our sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system and what goes on in the brain and the gut and all of those things. But as I've mentioned in some previous podcast episodes, that's not what this is about. You know, as I'm sitting here today after a very stressful week, after a stressful 18 months and kind of a stressful life, (laughs) I think I'm more focus on having the conversation that would go on between friends, even if we don't know each other yet. And I want to have that conversation with you because I feel that in my own life, there's sometimes just not enough room to have these conversations. And I think it's healthy to talk about. I think it's healthy to hear other people talk about these things too. So that's why I'm bringing it up today. And as I mentioned a few episodes ago, Every time I record this podcast, I picture myself sitting in the grass with my friend Grace and just having a conversation. And that's what this is today. There are amazing podcasts out there about the science of stress, and I encourage you to explore and do some research and find those podcasts to get some more information about that. But today, it's just you and me in the grass, friends, talking about stress how we deal with stress, how we recognize it, how we cope with it, how we rationalize some of our behaviors around it. And I wanted to talk about it because in my own life, I'm finding that some of those discussions are a little stunted. And I don't want that to stop me from exploring this topic and communicating about it. But I know that You know, everyone's having very varied experiences at the moment. I have friends who are living their best lives. They've never had years this good. They can't believe their luck. Everything is amazing. And I'm in awe as I watch them because that is not the year and a half that I'm having. And I have other friends who are losing things day by day, whether that's businesses, family members, their safety, their financial income, just there's a lot of loss going on. So 
can be a little polarizing and a little dividing how drastically different some of our experiences are right now. And for me, I wake up every day and I feel very lucky. I have more than I need every single day. At the same time, I'm also coping with a lot of stress in different areas of my life. And that doesn't necessarily mean that what's going on is an anomaly or that I'm completely focused on creating this stress-free life because there's definitely benefits that come with stress. There's healthy stressors that we experience. There's stress that reveals our strengths, our capacity, or our potential. It reveals some aspect of our personality that we just never knew was there, but was there the whole time. And there's this balance that goes on when we find ourselves rising to occasions that we used to run from. So there's definitely healthy stressors that occur in our lives. And right now, I think I'm personally experiencing, and I don't know if you can relate, a lack of feeling fulfilled. You know, my friend Grace used that word the other day. She said, life is pretty unfulfilling these last 18 months because it's very focused on survival. It's not focused on thriving. And while we all go through phases like that, I don't know that we've normalized going through this extended period, these like hardcore 18 months of just survival. Something that came up for me was recognizing that spontaneity is completely missing from our lives these days. Everything has to be planned. All the consequences have to be measured. We are totally accounting for our actions, our thoughts, how we get somewhere, how we're going to protect ourselves when we're there, if it's worth it to go, you know, all of these things that we're taking into account in a very magnified way. But now we're thinking along the lines of, is just my weekly grocery shopping expedition going to harm someone else? And what time of day should I go? And how many masks should I wear? And did I clean my hands well enough? I mean, there's just this elevated level of stress and a level of stress about planning our futures. So I don't think a lot of us are used to being in this treading water phase, which is something that I keep talking about with friends, is that I do. I feel as if I'm treading water. I remember in March of 2020 thinking, okay, I can do this for a month and you know, I'll be okay. And here we are, so much time has passed and we're still doing the same things. Or at least some of us are. And what effect is that having on how we see the world, how we see ourselves, our level of fear or security or hope? So here I am, even as I'm recording this podcast, I'm trying to almost present my case that I'm allowed to be stressed after the last 18 months, which lets you know how socially acceptable stress is, but how socially unacceptable it is to talk about being impacted by stress. And that's the whole reason I'm recording this episode, because it's a lot easier to just take a photo and post it on Instagram and act as if everything's fine. But is that connection or is that self-promotion? Because I'm doing this whole podcast so that we can all connect on a deeper level. And in order to do that, I have to bring my own truth and talk about things with authenticity. And to act as if I haven't been stressed in an abnormally elevated way 
these last 18 months would be a complete lie. And I know that some people are at a stage in this pandemic where whether it's fatigue or they've just become desensitized, I know that that's not me. And I still struggle and I'm still having to find ways to adjust and cope with stress and still show up for my life. And if that's you, and if you don't have anyone to talk about that with or you're scared to talk about it, that's why I'm here and that's why I'm starting this discussion. You know, I've talked a lot about mental health and emotional health on this podcast because I'm pretty passionate about both those topics. And I'm hyper aware of how we are received when we talk about those things, when we start to recognize that we are slipping in some way or we're not in a headspace or an emotional space that we're normally in and how often we're only given permission to talk about those things when we're at a breaking point. But if we talk about them as they're escalating and we start reaching out and wanting to share with our community how self-conscious that can make us. Like, I don't want to pick up a phone and call a friend of 20 years and say, I am 18 months into this pandemic and I know your life is amazing right now, but I'm kind of concerned about my mental health. That's so hard to do. And so here I am talking about it, trying to normalize it a little bit and let you know that you're not alone if you're having a hard time right now or if you're feeling unsure or insecure or, I don't know, not feeling as hopeful or as grounded as you used to feel. I'm here and I'm talking about it and I promise you that you are not alone. So if you've listened to this podcast a little bit, you know that I used to be the director of a cancer support center and I would do my fair share of intakes. And one of the first questions I would always ask people is, what do I need to know about you in order to give you the best care possible? And it was important to do that because we all come from different experiences and people don't know things about us. They don't know our triggers. They don't know our strengths. And to give people the opportunity and like open that door for them to share that with you, whether it's in that meeting or another meeting, it's really important. But while I was working there, I actually created a pilot hospice program and started doing end-of-life doula work. Doing all of that work was really stressful. And it brought up a lot of feelings and just the amount of time and energy that poured into it. I felt that I needed something to balance it. And so I started training and became a birth doula because I wasn't working enough. <laughs> but what I really wanted was something to offset some of the feelings that came up doing end of life work. And helping parents bring a child into this world was just really powerful, really restorative. And even though it was time consuming, it was amazing. And it's interesting because. I would still ask the birthing parent the, that question, you know, what do I need to know about you in order to give you the best care possible? But another question that I would ask, which brought up an important story for everyone, was tell me about a time in your life when you tapped into your inner strength and overcame something that you thought would be impossible. And the reason I would ask that is because while they were in childbirth, we would tap into that memory. 
And I would encourage them and guide them through a little meditation or hypnosis to kind of just drop into that feeling that you know because you've been there before and take all of that energy and all of that experience and bring it into the present. And I've been thinking about that a lot lately because sometimes we use exercises such as that one to bully ourselves, almost like, well, I've been through harder things, so I have no reason to be stressed right now. Um, You know, I've had a hard life. This is nothing. Why am I crying? Why am I upset? Why am I off kilter? Like we can bully ourselves. But what I was asking the birthing parents to do was not bully yourself, but tap into that inner knowing and your core strength. And use that to remind yourself of your capacity. So I'm going to encourage everyone, if you're in a stage right now where you are experiencing a ton of stress or fear, take a moment and actually sit down and maybe meditate on that question for yourself and say, you know, was there a time in my life that I tapped into my inner strength? What did it show me? What what was revealed about what I possess inside of me or my capacity or how I can meet stress or navigate stress. Because it is important to ask ourselves these questions and to get to know ourselves in that way without just bullying ourselves. And so when we're talking about stress, I always like to think about how it impacts executive functioning. And executive functioning and self-regulation skills are the mental processes that enable us to plan focus attention, remember instructions, or juggle multiple tasks. So I think that they're listed as proficiency in adaptable thinking, planning, self-monitoring, self-control, working memory, time management, and organization. A lot of those things actually sound like things that show up in our workspaces or school spaces which is interesting because stress is so socially acceptable, but navigating stress is not. That's the alternative thing. So there's almost this culture of us just sucking it up and this is how life is and you're almost failing if you can't just sort of like moonwalk through stress. Like If it actually trips you up and if you're actually having a reaction and if any of these areas of your life are starting to be impacted or impaired by stress, it's almost as if you've done something wrong, not just that society as a whole accepts stress, but not the ways that we can deal with stress. So what activates our stress and how does it show up in our lives? This morning I was talking with a friend about the correlation between fear and stress. And whenever I talk about fear on this podcast, I always break it down into three different categories. I am afraid that I am not enough. I'm afraid that I don't have enough or won't get enough. And I'm afraid that you'll take something away from me. And whenever those feelings, whichever one it is, or if it's all of them at once, pops up, there's equal parts stress and fear. And when that happens, both my coping methods And my character defects tend to show up just in equal measure right away. And one of the ones that I wanted to talk about this morning was self-sabotage. And I did a whole episode on this, I believe, um, maybe episode 11. And I wanted to talk about it again because it comes up so much when we talk about stress. 
And behavior is self-sabotaging when it creates problems in daily functioning that interferes with our goals. And the most commonly recognized self-sabotaging behaviors include procrastination, substance abuse, or self-injury. And as I said on that previous podcast, those are just three. There's actually thousands of ways that we self-sabotage. And people aren't always aware of the ways in which they engage in self-sabotaging behaviors. Sometimes it can be really difficult to recognize when we're doing that. And even when we do and we make that conscious connection between the behavior and the self-defeating consequence, it's rarely enough to motivate us to disengage from the behavior and use a different coping method. I, I talk about that a lot on here, that awareness in and of itself is not enough and that action is actually a huge part of change. I think I mentioned on that podcast too that in some circles, you know, this concept of self-sabotage is centered around a deep lack of self-love or self-esteem. And I always look at it from a different perspective that sometimes we self-sabotage because we do love ourselves and it's because of this love and this desire to survive that we almost act as if we hate ourselves or disrespect ourselves to help manage unmanageable situations and feelings perhaps the way we did in childhood. So how does that programming show up in adulthood? How does it make itself known when we're experiencing stress in our relationships or a career or with regard to where we live or our finances? You know, self-sabotage looks like dwelling on our mistakes, procrastinating, not setting boundaries with ourselves or with others, refusing to seek help, making excuses for our behaviors, becoming overwhelmed with self-criticism, rejecting praise, isolating when we're hurt or scared, maybe saying yes to everything, and I guess that goes back to the boundaries thing, resisting change or suppressing emotions, or focusing on instant gratification instead of the process, putting self-discouragement before honest effort, We're putting our needs on hold. We're ignoring or minimizing them. And we find ourselves doing many of these things in order to avoid feeling overwhelmed. So even if you recognize some of those behaviors I just shared, I'm never sharing this stuff so you can beat yourself up. That is not what this podcast is about. I'm talking about it because I'm sure I do most of those things myself. And I don't want you to feel like you're alone or you have to be shamed about it. We can kind of bring it into awareness and start talking about it and working on it. I think our relationships and the stress in relationships is something that we don't talk about enough. And when we talk about self-sabotaging in relationships, and I'm not even talking about intimate partnership, it could be any kind of relationship. What does that look like? We sabotage others before they can hurt us because we're anticipating pain. And we fear the past repeating itself. And so in whatever relationship that is, we can self-sabotage in order to avoid feeling rejected. We don't want to feel as if we're unworthy of the love that we crave. And we want to build a false sense of control. Sometimes we almost look for proof or validation that something isn't as good as it seems in an attempt to prove that we're right in order to distance ourselves from this other person. 
And maybe we're just afraid of closeness or intimacy because that brings up feelings of stress. And we're projecting past wounds onto the present. We all have those tapes that play in our heads and in my own head, it definitely gets activated in moments of stress and fear. And that tape isn't full of nice, positive things. It's full of very limiting beliefs that starts getting really loud in my head. And that easily triggers self-sabotaging behaviors. And the more I talk about it and the more I share and the more I listen to other people talk about it and I recognize my behaviors in their truth, I begin to work on it and wanting to let go and wanting to incorporate some new behaviors and coping methods. And I bring that up because I think community can be very healing. And I'll use myself as an example because, I mean, who else can I better talk about other than myself? And I feel comfortable doing it. And I want others to feel comfortable talking about the full range of who they are. And I know that for me, when I'm going through a period of stress, it shows up in my relationships because I want to run and hide. When I'm experiencing stress, it activates all of my character defects, all of my fears. It activates that tape in my head and I feel completely unattractive and unlovable. When I'm stressed, I feel as if I don't deserve a relationship definitely not a supportive partnership, but I don't even deserve friendships. And I almost want to distance myself from the family members I am close to. And if I'm struggling and stressed or not my most perfect self, the story I tell myself is that I don't deserve connection. I don't want you to see me. I'll come back when I'm all put together when I'm the great provider, when I've got the great job, when I'm in perfect health, when, you know, my emotions are completely regulated or numb, you know, um, if I'm being honest, I, I can do that to myself and I know I'm not alone. And sometimes when I talk about these things, I even have friends who listen to this podcast. They're like, why did you say that? You know, that's, that's such a weird thing to say. And then they'll come back like a week later and they're like, you know what? I'm actually really glad you talked about that because it's true. And how often do we isolate ourselves during times of stress because we don't want other people to see us and we don't want other people to know that we're going through this. And I'm not talking about, you know, not wanting to emotionally vomit on someone. I get that. But, you know, last week I talked about boundaries on the podcast and some of us having too strict or guarded boundaries and some having no boundaries at all. And so... My work is finding that middle way when I'm experiencing deep levels of stress of how do I sit in the experience, the the reality of my experience, and still show up for my relationships, even when I can't do the heavy lifting. And I just have to show up as I am with the tools that I have in the reality of my experience. And will I survive? You know, for some reason, there's this story in my own head that that's going to destroy me. But the the fact is that it doesn't. And that being present that way in community or with people who care about us is it's medicine. It's amazing. It actually does help us. I was having a beautiful and powerful conversation with a friend the other day. And we were talking about some really difficult things that had happened. And after this person shared, they stopped and kind of choked up. 
And they just got really honest and said, I am so afraid that you're never going to talk to me again because I've just shared this thing with you that I'm going through. And I'm afraid of how you see me and experience me and that you're not going to want to know me anymore. And I'm so glad they said that because that goes through my head all the time. And the truth is, that's how we build intimacy and trust in relationships. It's by sharing our truth. I, you know, I've never built trust with someone by just like shaking their hand and saying, see, you can trust me. We build that by sharing those truths and establishing that over time and showing up for one another. So I hope that you have that in your life right now or feel as if you can build towards that because we all deserve those safe spaces where we can talk about this human experience. There's nothing that we're experiencing That's outside the realm of this human experience. That's all that we're having. And we should be able to share that with other people. And I know that this time has been particularly isolating. I have been so isolated. That might be why I started this podcast. (laughs) I've been so geographically cut off from my support system. And as much as I've utilized Zoom and FaceTime and phone calls and text messages, It is not the same as just sitting in silence, staring at someone who loves me and who can just be with me. And we don't have to talk about all of it or make the most of this time we've set aside to communicate with one another. And if you're like me and you're craving that, you know, I feel you and I'm with you right now. It's been very challenging. And so I'm encouraging us not to isolate ourselves even further but to find ways that we can communicate this experience, not just for us, but so that we can create a safe space for other people to come to us. So as we're talking about stress, I think it's really important to talk about ways that we can invest in ourselves, support ourselves, and bring our body, mind, and spirit into a space of restoration and relaxation. As impossible as that might be. I want to talk about it. Um, some of you know that I used to teach yoga at like seven times a week on top of everything else I was doing, but I would lead all these yoga practices and yoga classes. And I thought it was so interesting because if you do practice yoga, you know that usually the last 10 minutes of a yoga class is Shavasana. And that is a time when the entire class lays down in corpse pose and relaxes the body. We usually dim the lights and everyone just focuses on their breath. And it really helps to regulate the nervous system. But I cannot tell you how many times people would get up and leave my yoga class as we entered Shavasana. And they would tell me, oh, I don't need that. And walk out of the room. And I totally get that. I honor everyone else's practice and experience, and it may make some people uncomfortable to just kind of like lay in that vulnerability in a classroom full of other people. I get that. But what I thought was so interesting is that that was my first thought too. I don't need that. I don't need to, to rest and relax. I can do that on my own. And I was thinking of it as a perk instead of looking at it as an integral part of a yoga practice. And so the more I taught and the longer I taught, the more I did really weave it into my own personal practice. It wasn't an afterthought. It wasn't something I'll do, oh, when I have the time. It wasn't an extra. 
it was foundational. And I always say that we practice yoga not to just exist on the mat, but to bring our practice on the mat into our world and into our lives. And so when I cut myself off from that relaxation and that restoration phase, which is only a few minutes when I'm practicing yoga, I get to look and see how often do I do that in my own life? How often do I say, yeah, 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 I'll do that later. I'll rest later. I'll relax later. Or that doesn't have to be a part of something. I can just have, you know, intense experiences and not decompress. Another practice that I really immersed myself in during this pandemic was breath work. And my friend Anna Lilia offers these powerful breath work classes. And I know that some people will hear that and be like, I know how to breathe. I've been doing it every single day of my life. Casey, what is wrong with you? <laughs> but um, breath work is a practice that truly has an impact on our, our body, our mind, and spirit. I have an out-of-body experience every time I do a breathwork class with Anna. I, she is incredible and in the way she guides you and brings you into this space where you really are allowing the body to take those inhales and exhales much deeper than we normally allow ourselves to. I would highly encourage you to check her out on Instagram. Her name is Anna Lilia and she has powerful classes every Saturday that you can join. I'm also a big advocate of meditation and I know that that can be really challenging for a lot of people to immerse themselves in. I created affirmations that you can find on this podcast that can really help you if meditation is not sort of your, your muscle that you engage immediately and you want to learn how to do it and you want to immerse yourself in it. I would really recommend kind of finding the two uh, affirmations that I created. They're listed in my Instagram bio as well. And starting just a 21-day immersion into them of just bringing yourself into a quiet space and allowing yourself, allowing, you know, like letting yourself have that time where you can rest and relax the body and you don't have to be doing anything. And when I practice meditation and I do it consistently, I find that that's where my mind goes in moments of stress. It reaches for that because I've developed that muscle. And when I'm personally working through feelings of stress, one of the tools I use the most is journaling. And the reason I do that is because I like to sort of see where I am with stress. You know, am I perseverating on stress from the past and kind of going over and over things that I cannot change or things I wish I had done differently? Am I stressed in the present and feeling as if maybe I'm unsupported or don't have the tools I need to meet whatever's in front of me? Or am I focusing on the future and trying to get myself out of the present moment in a really unhealthy way by obsessively thinking about all that could go wrong? And I don't want to do that either. It's about meeting this stress or life on life's terms and bringing yourself back to center and finding some alignment, tapping into your strengths and navigating it. I sent my mother a text message this morning asking what she thought about stress. And I usually do that before I actually record any episode. I kind of toss it to her and ask her some insight. And I love what she said. She said, it's important to separate yourself from the stress-inducing event because it's not part of who you are. It's just something you're experiencing at the moment 
and will eventually overcome. And another thing that she mentioned during her text message was how stress distorts our perception and how it can confuse you and make the most simple things feel overwhelming and even impossible. And that's another thing to recognize that our perception in these moments is distorted and that's all it is. It's not a permanent distortion. It's very much impacted by the lens we're viewing something through. And so to be able to step back, look at it, take a deep breath and approach things from a different angle is a muscle that I'm not sure that we're all encouraged to tap into and develop. But it's my hope that anyone who's listening to this is open to developing that and open to not just beating yourself up in those moments of stress or bullying yourself, but in being very gentle with yourself and bringing some levity into it, if you can, because stress does pass. And I know that this was not, you know, a science-based episode. I didn't have tons of research. I wasn't quoting people a lot and it probably wasn't my most therapeutic episode ever, but I did want to create it because I want you to know you're not alone. And this has been a very stressful time, no matter what anyone says. And, you know, if the world outside is saying to just get over it, just move on, or everything's fine, and you're feeling as if you're not fine, you're not alone. It's okay. And I want you to feel that you have places where you can talk about stress or even listen to other people talk about their experience with it. Not to stress you out even more, but to remind you that we're all just human and we're doing the best we can with the tools that we have. And if this time has gotten to you, you haven't failed. It's been a really challenging time. And it's okay if you need rest. It's okay if you need support. It's okay if you need to talk to people or you need more contact or you find that you're isolating and you don't think it's that healthy. You know, I want you to feel that you can talk to other people about it. And maybe if me talking about it on this platform, you know, talking about my own stress makes you feel a little brave in sharing with someone else, that's what I want for you. And if I'm being really honest, I experienced stress even making this episode today because I'm not sure people want to hear about other people's authentic experiences as much as we say we do. I wonder if everyone just wants the curated experience and if I should just steer away from talking about what we all go through and only focus on the science and the research and the interventions. But I know that that doesn't always work for me. You know, I can intellectualize it and I can integrate it in that way. But what really gets to me and really like touches my core and really makes me feel safe is when other people share their true stories with me and the truth just sounds different. So as self-conscious as I am in sharing this episode and feeling like it's not good enough or I didn't, you know, offer enough solutions, maybe what you needed to hear today was someone just being honest about their experience with stress and how I'm just putting one foot in front of the other right now, continuing to do the next right thing and doing my very best not to bully myself or beat myself up for not being my highest self during this very stressful time in history. There's an Instagram and Twitter account that I really love called The Nap Ministry, and I don't know if any of you have heard about it, but definitely look it up. 
and their message this morning was perfectly aligned with this topic. They said, the message of rest is not mainstream. It is very much an outlier idea. Don't let the attention on rest that is happening in the media fool you. I'm well aware that the majority of the globe is held up by grind culture. Don't be discouraged or distracted. Keep resting. And I thought that that was such a powerful message to share. It's not something that I was ever told growing up. I didn't learn about that in school. It's not something that came up in relationships. And to be told that I don't have to be a part of some kind of grind or hustle or push myself out of bravado or fear that I can kind of acknowledge what's going on in my life, my body, my mind, my spirit, and allow myself those moments of rest and how that rest will ultimately support me far more than me just pushing through. And I don't have a love letter to close out this episode the way I normally do. So maybe this week it's about you writing a love letter to yourself and following through on it. Until next week, make sure to hit the follow button on your favorite podcast listening platform. Check out this week's playlist on my personal Spotify account and join me on Instagram at Love Letters and Mixtapes. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider donating to support this podcast by clicking the link in my Instagram bio.